Hey, look what we have found A big sound in a small town Far away from the bright lights They're making music every night Discover what is all around A big sound Hi, and welcome to Big Sound Small Town. I'm your host, Sandy Carlton, and this is a podcast about the lives and stories of the musicians, writers, artists, and their associates that have their roots in the small towns and communities across America. If you like what you hear, tell somebody. Enjoy. Hello, everybody. Hey, Sandy. I'm Tracy Curry, um, musician from Cleveland County. Did all kinds of other things as well, but uh, only constant in my world, like everybody else that's a musician, has been music and uh, been in it a long time. Well, Tracy, when, how long have you been? This is gonna, <laughs> this is gonna age you, so I hate to bring this up, but a long time is how long? Many years close you don't have to be specific uh over 40 yeah yeah over 40 in the music business yeah and uh so how did that even come about well in my father played guitar my grandfather played a mandolin and so my brother actually plays my mother played a little and when i was seven my father got me a mandolin for a birthday or Christmas or something. But I do remember that when he left notes all over the house to look in different places, that was kind of his thing. Oh, yeah, that's cool. And, uh, and when, it, when I found it, it was, it was in a case under the sink, and I thought it was a suitcase. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, it would have been square instead of mandolin shape, would Correct, yeah. 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 And uh, so anyway, I thought it was a suitcase, but got to mandolin, started playing and played, started playing at churches and family reunions with, with him and my brother um, during that time. Um, Would that have been a gospel bluegrass type of situation? It, I remember the, the one song I remember doing was Why Me, Lord. Yeah. 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 And um, Chris Christopherson song. Yeah. And he, he loved Chris Christopherson and Johnny Cash. So that's kind of what I that's pretty good stuff, started I mean. with. Yeah. Um, and then... My brother started taking guitar lessons um, from Buster Kendrick. I know Buster well. And while he was doing that, um, I was into, of course, where we were at was his music store, and that it was pretty small, and I could hear through the wall. Right. So I picked up a bass, didn't really know what it was, and started playing bass along with what he was playing right. for lessons. And Bobby Rose, yeah, I know Bobby came up, Bobby. and actually Dale Owens was there. Yeah, um, and they started playing, or I started playing with them. And anyway, that's where the bass thing started. And my father was so into it, I'm pretty sure that he bought me a bass probably 
two days after that. Oh, really? Yeah. So how old would you have been then? Just I was probably 11. Oh, man. I was probably That's 11. pretty good people to uh, sit there and play with, too, as an 11-year-old. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, that was right before Buster actually went to Nashville. Yeah. And uh, he, I took a lesson. I took a guitar lesson or two from him. And I came in for a lesson one day, and he said, sorry, but I'm going to Nashville. Here's the charts. You got the pentatonic scales. Have at it. <laughs> so, um, and so then he went to Nashville. So I was playing guitar a little, and then I always liked I always liked the bass better. Um, I I don't know why, but um, I always liked the bass better, and then started, you know, out of necessity, you know, uh, playing it. I was playing with Bob Klein. Yeah. Uh, the name of the band was Dealer's Choice. Well, let me back up just a little bit. Before that, I played with Art Mooney. Yeah. Paul Mooney. Yeah. And Mark Parker. I know all three and, of them. And, and my brother. And I don't remember if we had a name, but we played at Lithia Springs at Dean Jinks, Little Shindigs, oh, yeah, and yeah. Uh, we played at Armories and places like that. And well, those uh, are all quality musicians to this day. Oh, absolutely, they I all mean, play. I mean, yeah, they all still do. Right. So, yeah, um, yeah. And Mark, I've had, he sat in with us even years later when Chris Green wasn't able sure. to play. But anyway, got, we played played with them, and I was actually, I think. I was just singing because at that time, Art was playing bass, Paul was playing guitar, my brother was playing guitar, Brian Curry, and Mark was, Parker was playing drums. So I didn't even, I was not even playing an instrument. Well, did you know, yeah, how early did you know you were a singer? I mean. I think I did that out of necessity too. Oh yeah. Because they didn't have anybody that like could a, sing. Like being a bass player. Right, yeah. yeah. And um, so I started singing then and my brother, sings better than I do but we both we we when we speak we enunciate exactly alike so right. we could do really good harmonies of yeah. course and after after a while you figure out what your strong points are and harmony is really mine yeah and, harmony is a I had Faye Sue Starlin in here Saturday she sang harmony with Emmy Lou Harris oh yeah she sang with the Selms she sang with everybody but what she told me was harmony was what she did and what I told her Harmony you can't find. Good harmony singers are rare. Well, and so then, uh, right, then you find that if you, especially if you can play bass and sing, yeah, um, you, you, can, you can work. Um, and playing bass and singing harmony, you can even do more. True. And so that's really where I ended up. Um, and that is definitely the, 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 the strength is the, is the harmony, um, more so than the lead. Um, but... Um, played with them, then I started playing. I remember I got a call from Jimmy McNeely, who was the drummer. Yeah. And their bass player hadn't shown up for a practice. And of course, I wasn't old enough to drive, but I drove over there, of course. Of course. Um, and set in with them for their practice. And then they, uh, I was actually floating a river with my brother and his soon to be wife. And I was probably 13 at this time. We got out of the river. There was a note on my car that said, be at the Moose Lodge at 7.30. <laughs> so I went and played with them, and I played with them for several years, probably from 82 to 85-ish. you remember who else was in that Bob band? and Trudy Klein. Um, they, they actually weren't married at the time. Her maiden name was Wooten. Randall Setzer, um, David Beheeler, and Jimmy McNeely. 
they were ba- they were most of them were from Lincolnton. Yeah, they were. Uh, yeah, and uh, so that was till about '85, and then um, in '85 I graduated high school and uh, went in the army for a little bit. Uh, played while I was there. Had a twelve string I drug around with me. Oh, really? And I played in Georgetown and uh, more so than D.C. But I was just doing solo gigs right. with a little drum machine. Oh yeah. And a uh, twelve string. Right. Yeah, in the twelve string. And then, so I did, and I got back from there and still did the solo gigs for quite some time. I remember the one of the, you know, you you had to do. It was hard to find them at that time because there was no liquor by the drink True. here yeah. so I was playing a lot of South Carolina right. stuff yeah. and then the day well shortly after they got liquor by the drink in Kings Mountain I talked to them at the Holiday Inn and said um, let's just try it and see and I ended up playing down there two or three nights a week for several years actually so it, that's the hardest job in the world is being a doing the one man thing I mean I've done it a lot. And I, it's hard. It's tough, uh, and, and it's. Uh, but you know, again, at that age, I was bulletproof. Yeah, it didn't that's matter true. to me. Yeah. And I'd try anything new, and you know, you find out, you work through it, and you find out the songs that you do better at. Yeah, I you mean, do. They're just you songs do. you do better at than others, and that comes from experience. Some you? you try, and you realize that you probably need to let somebody yeah. else do that song. Um, at least you learn that. There's a lot of people that never learn that. Yeah, well, I do know what my limitations are. Well, try to anyway. The best part of a good musician. Yeah, and then uh, in let's see, and I forgot who I was playing with prior, but I got a call to play guitar with Jim Jim Fish and Dale Ledbetter, the Cops. Cops, yeah. And Mackie Lennon. Yeah, I knew, I knew Mackie. Yeah. And so I was already in rookie school, or uh, and. Um, and became and I anyway ended up in a band with them and my brother and Chris Green. Okay. My brother played bass. I played guitar. Chris Green played drums. Jim Fish played rhythm. Dale Ledbetter just sang, and Mackie Lemons played keys yeah. and was of course the MC. Of course. Yeah, he's a yep. he's quite a character. Yeah. Um, and played with them till probably '92. Yeah, that's pretty. I remember that band. That's a pretty good band. We 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 worked hard at it. Um, that's for sure, and we played a lot of, we played a lot of places, um, and you know, then I got into, I was doing the police thing and still playing, of course. Ended up going to Gardner Webb University, becoming the police chief there, because I was, uh, you get to go to school free. Right. Yeah. And so I left the narcotics position at Shelby PD and went there, and of course was still playing solo gigs, and then started playing with. Um, well, I did solo gigs everywhere during that time, and I don't really remember. During that time, I think, was what we called Curry Brothers, and we played a lot, and it was me and Chris Green yeah. and my brother Brian Curry. Right. Um, and most of the time, I was playing guitar, Brian was playing bass, and Chris was playing drums, and we would do a small gigs, or we did a lot of the places around here, a lot of the restaurants. We did right. a lot of... Uh, commercial things like the for for a while the school systems we did several different school systems when they had their shindigs and things like that and that went on for years and I'm sure that was a pretty easy working relationship there I mean you didn't have to do a whole lot with that did you great relationship because of course my brother right. uh, who was uh, and then Chris Green is my brother's brother-in-law right yes. so that's why we were the Curry brothers right 
and we'd known each other forever. So that worked really well and went on for years and years. Um, and in about 2002, um, I, I had gone to the sheriff's office, got finished my degrees, went to the sheriff's office, um, working narcotics again, and started filling in with Mike Bullman. Yeah, Mike Bullman, yes. And during that time, it was Mike, Don Camp, Brian Pearson, um, and Donnie Camp. Yeah, that's another good band. Yeah, and we, I mean, and Mike, for anybody that knows Mike Bullman, he's he's the quintessential musician. He he played five nights a week at the VIP forever. He did. And he can blow the horns out of a monitor. He can. Um, So he can sing. Yeah, and so I started... Still doing the solo gigs when they weren't playing, and I did a bunch of those in Forest City. Um, Had a little place call me up there because they thought I was Irish. It was an (laughs) Irish pub, and they saw the the, the Curry Studios thing uh, for the recording studio, and with the last name Curry, and I don't remember the name of the pub when I first started, but it may have been Patty Doolin's. Yeah, I think it was, yeah. Went through three or four different changes, played there for years. Um, did you have to cover Irish tunes? I did not. I told him, I said, look, I really don't know any Irish tunes. And I think I did learn an Irish tune or two. Right, yeah. But I never did. And and he, the, the owner at that time said, I'd rather you just come do what you do anyway. And, you know, he said, there's not really a lot of call for Irish no, music. No, 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 there's not. I, right. I had Irish uncles who forced me to learn Irish fiddle tunes. I hated them, but they're everything that you think of Irish fiddlers. They were boxers, drunks, and they scared the crap out of me, so I learned those songs. You know? <laughs> there you but, go. But, you know, and there's been times when I have played those out of busking around or something, needing, you know, needing to play. But to this day, I still hate playing Irish fiddle tunes. How close is it to, to our bluegrass, to a traditional? Not, not as close. You, that's what, I hear that a lot, but yeah. I don't think so either. I I don't, mean, I've I studied mean. enough to realize I don't think they're that close. No, I hear people say that, and I I know some Irish guy's going to come punch me, but, you know, it's just a bunch of scales run up and down at a tempo with a funky little bow thing. So as fiddlers go, I'm not impressed. No. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and again, there's... Fiddles. There's a lot of people love them, love it though. Oh yeah, and that's I, I've just always heard it's real close, but I don't think so no, either. I've not played so. a lot of bluegrass, but I recorded a lot of it at the studio, and I've played, of course, playing a mandolin. You just right. about have to. Yeah, you do for um, the most part. Um, but anyway, um, did that for a long time with them, and um, then in about 2007, um, Rick Tackett was play he's the bass player he was playing at coyote joe's right and i know him i played in um i don't know if i'd ever played in a band with him but we had known each other right. as musicians for a long time and he started having some really bad shoulder problems so i filled in for him um probably eight or ten times at coyote joe's right. and he he decided that he it was too that they were playing too much right. it was three nights a week five five hours a night right. and with all the shoulder problems and he of course had been there for quite some time and decided he would do something else so anyway I ended up taking that job um, all the time too you're still working I want people to know this you're working a, full working a job. full-time job I was working violent crime and sex crimes um, at that time and you know we 
I, I remember any again it, it's every weekend in the uh, up until March of this year I'd been there for 13 years and I'd had three weekends off yeah um, and actually, one of them was only one day. It was because of ice. Right. Um, and one was because I'd had a back surgery, which, by the way, I actually played the Friday night. Rick filled in for me the Wednesday. Had the surgery on Tuesday. Friday, we had Justin Moore. Yeah. And they were like, okay, we need to harmony. Come lay in the floor. Whatever. So I, anyway, I went, and I stood on the stage right beside the front of the mic, and had Chris Williams, the, the lead singer, put the guitar, put the bass on me, and I s- sat there and did that 45-minute show. Man, that's, um, that's anyway, hardcore. That's a hardcore musician. Yeah, though. so I'd been off that weekend, or at least that Saturday, and then I took a weekend off to go with the kids um, last year um, to take them to a uh, to a shindig. But anyway, so they, it's, it's all the time. So for 13 years, it's every Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday. And did y'all practice during that time? I mean, we, we rehearsed on Wednesday, okay. which which we we, we, we still do. Um, we heard, rehearsed on Wednesday, five to seven, and we learned one or two songs a week. There was a time that we were learning three songs a week, and the whole point is to have all of your stuff together before you get there. Right. You know, it's a it's a it's a rehearsal. You've already learned the song. True. So it takes a lot of time, um, and of course, you know with the Wednesday nights it still had the Thursday mornings to be at work by eight if not before and then Saturdays and Sundays you're getting home at three and four in the morning by the time you can wind down so it's grueling but I love it I really really enjoy it always have and that is Coyote Joe's their owners are probably they've been really good to us Um, they're they're they know the music business um, it's They've sure been open a long time. Larry Presley and Alan Presley and, um, and, and KR has passed away, but he was the owner as well. But Larry Presley and Alan Presley are Kaleidoscope records, if you know, remember yeah, I that. Yeah, I do. They were about the only place you could buy tickets years ago. Right. They promoted Hank Jr. and Toby sure. Keith. and So they know the music business. They're really good to us. And, um, do you guys still have the dancing going on like you used to have? Line dance lessons every Wednesday yeah. night. Yeah. Um, from seven to nine, and then we play nine to two. Yeah, um, and that's a big deal. They they've got a uh, Mitchell Mullis is the line dance instructor now, and he does a great job. He's uh, he's been in the business for a long, long time as well. My daughter has a guy that she works with that he lives to go do that. He lives to go dance there. Yeah, on that's nights. That my wife loves to do that. It's a great form of exercise, and of course, it's a lot of fun. And yeah, it's a lot of fun. I agree. They create a, they create a family there. That's for sure. But I'm better at being a musician than I am a dancer. I think. I, you know, I've, I've got a bumper sticker that says "Hug a musician." They never get to dance. They don't. I mean, that's right. You know, I mean, it's something that you might would like to do, but I just never had the opportunity because I'm just not good at it. Well, I'm probably not either. It's something I would tell you that I'd like to do. But I've, I've been in a band since I was in the eighth grade. Yeah. Now, you're not going to get to dance with anybody that way. No, and, I, and you know, that's the thing. I'll, I'll go out on stage, thank goodness for wireless. I mean, on the floor. I go out on the floor quite often if it's not real, real right. crowded on the songs I'm not singing on, which is really just a few because most of the time I'm singing harmony on about every song or lead on some of them. But the, uh, 
I'll go out on the floor and, you know, a lot of times you'll find somebody that will mm-hmm. kind of dance around with you. And they'll go, they'll always ask while you're playing, of course, why don't you come down and dance yeah. more often? And I'll say, if I, can, if I don't have a guitar in my hand, I don't think I can keep time. You know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, right. yeah, I do. I do. I, has your turnover in that band been uh, – large not really that's good i mean that says a lot in itself right there in 13 years actually chris uh williams is the lead singer he's been there he plays guitar as well he's been there since i got there right um we've had a few drummer changes but um and one of the original lead guitar players jimmy lincolnfelt is awesome he's back with us he's been back with us about four years okay currently it's jim lincolnfelt on guitar lead guitar Chris Williams, lead vocals and uh, rhythm guitar. Tim Jones yeah. uh, on drums. He's a phenomenal drummer. And Scott Sanders is our newest keyboard player. Yeah, he's a Cleveland County resident. He is. He's, he's burning it up right now. He's a uh, he's really, really talented guy, that's yeah, for sure. Yeah, he's a talented guy. But when you start, I was thinking, my, my wife asked me before I got here about how are you going to, talk about the people that were there that have been at Joe's I mean we filled in oh yeah I mean you, yeah let's do let's do talk about that we've some of the craziest things Brooks and Dunn would come by at, to Joe's every time they played at Verizon right because they had such a good relationship with the owners right and on one occasion they brought Jason Aldean with them which he had been there right. first time I met him he was actually falling out of the back of a van that he was unloading himself <laughs> um and um, they, they would come by and get on stage with us for probably 45 minutes to an hour before their band showed up, and then their band would get up and take our place. Oh, yeah. So we played with them a lot, and I remember um, one night in particular, their bass player um, would, had gotten there. He was using my bass, and at the end of their short set, he handed my bass out to the crowd. Oh, no. And there was one tall guy. Um, and, I, of course, I was right at the side of the stage because we had been playing 20 minutes prior. And and I saw the guy, and I couldn't make my way to him because when people knew that Brooks and Dunn were coming after their right. concert, they would flood us. Anyway, this guy got the guitar, and he literally just stood there and held it. And I got out to him and got the guitar Boy, back. Well, aren't you glad that was the case? And, you know, later on... Um, Ronnie Dunn had, was in the band room, and he said, "He said they gave that guy so <laughs> much trouble about that." And they, they, he said, "We still give him a hard time about handing somebody else's bass away." Yes. But anyway, and, and to make it even more interesting, I was at the music store one day at Shelby Music, yeah. and John was having a string changing day, um, and so I was helping, and uh, which I did quite often, and. There was a guy getting strings on his guitar, and he started telling that story. Oh, it was the oh, guy. He was, he was, he was the he guy was the that audience. got the bass. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he was the guy that got the bass. He was the guy that got the bass. Oh. Yeah. And you, what'd you just say? Well, uh, yeah, you got from my bass. That's got right. It. I said, yeah. He said, I don't. Re-, and he didn't remember me, but he said, I do remember that. And then then he started thinking about it. But anyway, that was kind of a small world kind I of said, thing. That's happened. a pretty cool. That's that's a good story. I like that. Yeah, and and we've had. Uh, you know, Brantley Gilbert showed up one Wednesday night and just got on stage with us. Randy Hauser showed up one day, got on stage with us on a Friday night. Right. I think he said he'd been playing Lexington. But we have had Blake Shelton, Chris Stapleton, 
Colt Ford, Travis Tritt, Tracy Lawrence, Luke Combs, Trisha Yearwood, Miranda Lambert, Jake Owen, Josh Turner, Justin Moore, Brooks and Dunn, Jason Aldean, um, Billy Gibbons came with um, uh, Brooks and Dunn one night, Eric Church, Corey Smith, Diamond Rio, Florida Georgia Line, The Lax, Darius Rooker, um, Big and Rich, Brett Young, Brothers Osborne, Cadillac Three, Chris Young, Clay Walker, Cody Jinks, Cole Swindell, John Party, Jimmy Allen, Dylan Scott, Drake White, Sturgill Simpson, Thomas Rhett, Red Akins, Travis Denning, Midland, and Russell Dickerson. Those are the ones that I could just remember before I got here today. Wow. And I mean, those, that's, a, that's a who's who. And, you know, the, the cool part about it is there's so many, you know, the first time I met Colt Ford, he, he came in the door and I was actually help, helping our sound guy. And I, I ran monitors as well for the National Act for several years. And he came in and said, hey, I'm Colt Ford. And I said, I'm Tracy, I'm in the house band and I, I recognize you, I know who you are. I said, a lot of musicians come in that I don't know who they right. are, but I, I, I know who you are. And he said, musician? I ain't no musician. I'm a <laughs> fat boy that likes to throw a party. Hey, and he, that's pretty good. Yeah, and he's right. I mean, he's a very, he's a very talented guy. Um, and then, you know, Blake Shelton was there recently on some kind of little tour. And we were sitting there. The whole van was in the stagecoach. There's a little area right outside before we opened. And we were getting our set list together. And he oh. came and helped us with our set list. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. You yeah. didn't cover Blake Shelton's tune that night. Yeah, have you? Oh, yeah. Have you ever <laughs> covered somebody's song and, and then they turn up or, um, or you know, I mean, has that happened to you? Um, I think we've done it. We generally don't. I don't think we've done that. But here's the thing about that. We've done it. Keith Horn, bass player, um, he's been with everybody. Um, he ended up. I did. We didn't know. He played in Hot Apple Pie. Yeah. And we covered the Hot Apple wow. Pie song. Well, we didn't know that he was there with Luke Bryan um, one night. He was he was Luke Bryan's bass player for a while, and so we're covering this Hot Apple Pie song, and there's probably three thousand people in there when it only held right. Yeah. 3,200. Um, and um, so I'm playing and singing that song, and Keith Horn comes walking around the corner and just watching <laughs> us. But we we really work hard at not covering You're their right. songs. I mean, we, I didn't know if it happened by accident at some point. I, I don't think so. That's good. Um, I mean, that's that's good planning. I'll have to give you that. Yeah, we've we've had it. We we ended up with them on the song list. Right. And then realized, no, took, this, this is who's off. playing tonight. So, Have most all of those people been nice? Almost all of them. That's great. That's um, a great thing. There's been a couple that were, that were not. Yeah. Out of all of those people, and and I, I think I, and by the way, I didn't name the couple that were not. <laughs> they were not real friendly. But right. again, you know, they've got a lot on their plate. True, too. you never know. I mean, everybody has a bad day. But I mean, some I'm of them, most that. of them are extremely nice and really classy, and, and you know, they we we help them with the equipment. I mean, we've. We've gone up and changed up, out things, and they've done us the same way. If That's we're playing cool. and we have a problem, they'll they'll come and help us. And um, the green room is always – we've never been shut out of the green room necessarily or right. anything like that. And um, But they're really classy. And one of the 
you know, a lot of them, there's probably a lot of things that I don't think about anymore, but one of the things, Darius Rucker was there, and he uh, he was at his bus. He was trying to leave. It was, it was probably 3 o'clock in the morning. Right. And people were still standing there, so he was still signing autographs. And one lady came up and pulled her shirt up yep. and wanted her to sign, wanted him to sign. And he turned his head and said, oh, no, I don't think my wife would appreciate that. I'll sign <laughs> anything you want except your body. That's, well, that's good. That's I pretty mean, classy. Yeah, I, yeah. I agree. I yeah. agree. Yeah, I know a lot of bands that sign anything like that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. How about the studio? You want to talk a little bit about having a studio? Well, I had a studio. I still have it, but I really don't have time. I'm, I'm trying to spend my time with two 13-year-olds that – yeah, that mean a whole lot to me, of course, and um, so to to split the time between is is really difficult. But yeah, I had studio for a long time, recorded for a lot of people, and actually, I got to thinking about that. Um, some of the guys, some of the guys early starting, um, some of the national acts at Joe's didn't have per diem that was quite the best in the right. world, and so some of those bands actually stayed at the studio, which oh, that's was cool which was a ba- basically a two-bedroom apartment when right. you, if you folded out beds. And um, because they played Charlotte at Coyote Joe's and then on Friday, and then the Saturday they would play at Greenville at the Blind Horse Saloon, sure. yeah. which is the same, same owners. Yeah. 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 And so but with the studio, uh, recorded a, with a lot of people, a lot of local people, and I was just amazed at the talent. Did you, did you use um, – uh, I mean, were there times when you used people from uh, – your, your Coyote Joe's band to play parts, or was that? I used local people and people from Coyote Joe's, which were basically local people, yes. I, I, mean, you, I mean, you were able to find plenty of people to play when, yeah. when they needed people. I, you know, I, I guess I, I guess probably probably 90% of them was, were bands or brought their, had their own people, didn't they? Pretty much. Yeah. Um, yeah, probably 90. You're probably right. Probably 90%. The way it's set up, the whole band can record simultaneously and see each other right and still have the separation and so you can you can record a lot faster that way sure you can and it's it just it's a better feel it's a better feel yeah it is i mean it gives it a more live feeling than a studio feeling yeah because you you can go back and change parts if you need to or whatever but you still have that that groove or the pocket that's there i agree i always like i always like recording better that way it's just it's, it's 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 live with the ability to change anything that that needs to be. Yeah, I think that's probably the, one of the reasons that it was more successful and people kept coming back. I had people coming from, uh, of course, South Carolina, and had people coming from almost the coast even did, to, to record. Did you do more bluegrass than anything else? No, did a lot of bluegrass. Though, did, did a lot of bluegrass, but I think we did more. It's kind of odd, but I think we did more of a southern rock, more southern rock kind really? of things. Yeah. I, I remember one group came in and did, um, they did uh, cheap sunglasses, yeah. ZZ Top. And the same day, the next, or that same day in the afternoon, I had another entire group in, and they did cheap sunglasses. Really? And so that's the type of music they were doing, Dave Matthews right. and things like that as well. But... It was really odd to me. Both of them were really good versions. Oh yeah, and they were to- totally different. Totally different, but really good versions. Well, that's that, that, yeah, that's when you know that 
there's it's a good song. Oh yeah, you can do it a lot of different ways. Oh, it's yeah. still a great song. Yeah, had a lot of. We also did the uh, we did a lot of solo stuff because of the uh, they had the Cleveland County Idol thing for a while. Oh yeah, yeah. So we sponsored that and offered a better rate for people to come in and do their right. demo. And it was uh, it was amazing again the talent that it, just people you'd never heard of that came in and just we were um, we were my brother was teaching some guitar lessons at the time and he helped me in the studio as well. So he was still there one day when I started doing a couple of solo uh, people coming in for, I think it was for Cleveland County, Idol, right. but one of them was Holly Aguilar, um, Holly Aguero, excuse me, okay. Holly Aguero. And my brother, he was doing his thing over here, and I, he was, but he could hear the studio monitors, and that girl started to sing. <laughs> and about four seconds later, he turned around and went, who is that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, I mean, that's... Well, one of the things I've learned during this podcast is there are some incredible musicians that aren't famous, and you know, everybody can't be famous, but you can still be a really good musician. Oh, right? there, and we see them coming through with these national acts. It's it's amazing the talent, and you know, the sad part a lot of times is um, I remember one in particular. He's a tremendous guitar player, and. You know, Monday through Wednesday, he's hanging sheetrock. Yeah, I mean that's that's because he's he's having he's he's making a living, and and this is before COVID. Right, I mean, it's not just now, but um, it's uh, it's it's difficult. It's really difficult to make a to make a living at it. So I feel very very fortunate to have been able to make a living at it as yeah. long as I have. I mean, you pretty well been deeply involved, all again while working a, a real job, which is. I don't see how you've done it all these years. Well, I tell you what, the, I remember the worst part about it. It was if, when I was in when I was in Superior Court and had to leave. Um, I had to talk to the judges before we started the trial, right? To let them know that I, I could only go so long on some days, right? Um, and I remember one time in particular. It was probably a two week trial, so I had been there the Thursday after three hours sleep right sitting in court all day having to testify then the following week i got caught in traffic coming back from joe's oh. at right about ozark and sat there all night sat there till six thirty in the morning oh. got home took a shower came to court and the judge was late because he got caught in the same, in the same traffic. traffic so i'd been up all night then and there's so many times when you're working homicides and things like that that you're up for several days anyway true yeah and I, I remember there's no timetable on that no and I, I remember leaving Levine's Children's Center quite often and going straight to Joe's, to Joe's. while working a case yeah mm. but I again I'm very fortunate to be to be able to do two things that I really enjoy um, and again we we'd spoken earlier but have since retired from that retired from the police from the sheriff's office and uh, but really, really glad to have been there, and really proud to have spent the time. Do, do you you don't anticipate retiring from the music business, do you? No, there's only one constant that's ever been in my life. I think, and that's music. Yeah, I do. And totally so understand it, it, that. If I don't play, I, I, we, I've had more weekends off since March <laughs> than I've ever had. Um, I played a couple of weeks ago at a. Uh, filling in, playing bass, and singing harmony for a group in South Carolina. 
where it's a little more open. Yeah. And, you know, it, once you do that, and it's been a while since you played, it really it, it, it brings it home that, you know, I, I, I really need to play. I still want to do I this. I want to play. Yeah, I, I was getting ready to ask you, so you've been happy with that time off? <laughs> you know, actually, I have enjoyed a lot of it. It, um, it, is, for, it is good for a while. I mean, you do kind of like having that break, but I'm so ready to play. Oh, yeah, I'm so ready to play now. And, I, you know, I've really enjoyed the time with the kids. Yeah. Um, and so I'm, I'm, you know, I'm fortunate again, but I'm ready to play. Yeah. I mean, I really, you know, no matter what you're doing, no matter how long you've done it, no matter how much of a job it seems to become, if it's music, it's still not, yeah. as, it's still not as stressful and as strenuous as a, as a, as a quote, job. Well, the parts that I always hated was just – going you know going to it, it's like i don't really want to go do this tonight but then you go do it and then once you step up there and start playing it's the same as it ever was when you were really enjoying it too you know that's exactly right that's a good way to put it and, and you know i think a lot of times as musicians we we charge everybody basically for all that crap the, <laughs> the years of sitting up and tearing down or yep. driving to where you have yep. to go i mean basically you play for free you just you know, you get paid to do all the other stuff. You get paid to be the roadie. You get paid to load in and load out. You do. And you get paid for, well, you don't really get paid for rehearsal either. So. No, you don't. And there's a lot of that, too, that people so, never see. Yeah, that's another great thing about being at Joe's for so long is, you know, it takes us 10 minutes to tear down the stage. and True. we And we're, we're, we're coming off the stage. We're not even going outside in the cold or the rain or the snow. True. And it's a, it's a I mean, I guess your equipment is there most of the time. Right, it is not currently, of course, but yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. That's, oh, we've got that's our, the beauty of it is you don't have to you don't have to load in there to do, even practice or do anything. Correct, we've got in ear monitors already set yeah, up. Yeah, that's great too. You know. Yeah, and so we've got very little stage volume. It works great, and again, with the musicians that are there, Tim Jones is phenomenal. Scott Sanders is phenomenal. Jimmy Lincoln Felt's phenomenal, and so is Chris Williams. They're all just great. Yeah, I guess. Um, I mean, I, I guess you don't even really have to have much of a sound check. I mean, I guess you just go in there and... We really don't. Um, the sound the sound person, by the way, that I forgot to mention, Steve Lee, is great. He uh, he can... It's amazing the things that he can do. And he's actually got it set up so that he can, <clears throat> he can literally automatically change the dynamics of the room or the EQ depending on the amount of people yeah, that are there. That's great. He can look at the he can look at the crowd and and change to a different setting and change our total output and make it sound great. And I guess particularly as a harmony singer and I don't know if anybody'll understand this that doesn't sing harmony but in ear monitors makes it a whole lot easier to sing harmony does it not? It does. You know, I like the feel of a big bass amp behind me right. and a big monitor in front of me, right. an actual audio monitor. But once you get once you get good in ear monitors, it makes it a lot easier simply because you can control what you hear, mm -hmm. and even the timbre of your voice, you can yeah. you can oh, yeah, hear you it can. so much better. Um, and again, I don't even have a I haven't had a bass amp on stage in. Uh, 10 uh, 12 sure. years and, and that's great i mean that is that yeah. is really a great thing and you know thankfully it's not that way anymore but you know when it's loud of course it feels good it's a lot of fun but you go to sing your harmony part and you just can't quite hear, hear it, it like yeah. you could you know that's right i mean we're so loud now i can barely hear what i'm singing period 
and you if you get bad monitors and see i, I mean oh, yeah. at least working what you're doing now is you pretty much know what to expect oh yeah it makes it so much easier and, and it, it takes a lot of the frustration out of it and you know i thought about that i had a microphone that was cutting in and out the other day with the filling in with that group and it was of course live and no they had regular actually they did have in-ear monitors i had in-ears but didn't have time to set up right you know and all of that and you know it's not just something that's it's kind of pre-mixed you actually so had to carry your own rig i had to carry <laughs> actually no he had a rig there oh, okay. that's good <laughs> so i did not and i used his rig which was very nice but it was nice to feel that rig behind me yeah to feel exactly. the thump you know yeah do i mean this is for bass players but you're one bass guy or do you take different ones at that job I take different ones at that job. Yeah. I've got a I've got a stand up uh, electric right uh, four string that's of course fretless um, for certain songs, and I've got I carry at least a four and a five. Okay. Because I can't really with the music the way it is now. If you do anything, if you do any uh, anything that's current, a lot of it has a whole lot more of a poppy feel. Um, and and a lot of it, there, there's a lot more sequencing, True. so it's very difficult to do it right without a five string. True, I agree. So I really love the four, but I play a five string Elric most of the time, and I've got the four strings. I've got several different ones, right. of course, and um, but I I have two. That's all I. You got have to go through. Um, you have an array of pedals, or is that all? That's all built in now since you're running. I'm actually running absolutely direct. Okay, so I've got nothing. a, uh, I've got a, I've got a tuner wireless system right. um, that's one pedal, and then I run into a direct box out. And that's all you have. That's to do. it. Man, I mean, that's great. Though. That it's really that that it saves a lot of time and a lot of aggravation. But again, I like to feel that thump. Yeah, I mean everybody does. I I play with a lot smaller rig these days, and. Uh, you do you you know i miss my big ampeg oh yeah <laughs> you know but i mean it's it's the new it's the new world and it's uh as an old man i like it oh yeah I, when i first went to when i first went to fill in for rick at joe's they were still using the amps on stage i had no idea i think i had been in joe's maybe but yeah. i don't think i'd ever been there when anybody was playing because i was always playing somewhere else right, yeah and so I showed up with a very small bass <laughs> amp, and it didn't, it barely got me through the night. Oh, yeah. And we literally mic'd it and put another monitor on it. Sure. Um, and so then, of course, I brought in the big dog sure. rig that I, fortunate enough that I had, but now it's been sitting. Oh, yeah. You know, it's been sitting for some time. Yeah. Mine is. I'm in a small Aguilar outfit these days there so, you go you know that's a great that's a great system it is and it's um tone wise it sounds good it just don't roar like the old like, tone tone wise is great but yeah. you know it's it's not the same oh yeah so I, but you know I, I do i do like the times that i've gone and used direct in it is pretty cool really yeah and that's a, another reason that you know, with with the direct in, there's no. It's kind of like playing a Telecaster. You can't hide anything. No, it's, no, you can't. You get what you put in it out, yeah. and uh, but so, you can't uh, turn it up during the during it. No, night, you know. So that's, <laughs> I mean, that's a good thing because that's always the 
the bane of bands is somebody's always going to turn up, then the next person's going to, you know. So. Everybody starts out on three, and by the end of the night, everybody's on 12. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's why sound men, uh, I, I got this theory that sound men go to heaven, don't matter what they've done. Because <laughs> they put up a <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's exactly right. I mean, sound men and any person, male or female, that's ever had to live with a musician probably gets a pass. That's exactly right. <laughs> so. What else I need to know, Tracy? Well, I don't know. There's so much that to think about. I mean, it's hard to, you know, I got to, like I said, when we talked earlier, I wrote down a few little things. But, you know, I think probably I can't say enough how, you know, from a musical family, my father and mother played. My mother played a little. My father played a lot more. He was really the, the inspiration and so I'm really, really glad for that. And then, you know, of course, my brother's a great musician. And um, just people like Buster Kendrick were great sure. inspirations. And, you know, everybody that I played with, you learn so much from. And I've really determined that, you know, what I've, what, when I got a little older, I found out I want to be around people. I want to be playing with people that are better than me. Oh, yeah. I'll, oh, that's... That, for sure that's two you, you just spoke of two key things for musicians i think playing with people better than them if you if as much as you can yeah and uh having parental support when sure. you're doing that i mean oh yeah you know nobody said hey tracy when are you gonna get a real job of course you had a job the whole time but still you know sure oh i remember being really young and selling a cow to buy a keyboard yeah i mean um and and i had a, at one time i had a probably a $2,000 bass rig and a $500 Volkswagen. <laughs> That's what my priorities were. Sure. You know. That's spoken like a true musician. Yeah, and I had to take the back seat out of the Volkswagen to get the bass rig in it. <laughs> yep, that's about yeah. right. Right. So. Yeah, that's the, the, the priority's always been music, for sure, and again, it's been the only constant, and so I, I will continue to play. Joe's will be, Coyote Joe's and Charlotte will be open, I'm sure, eventually. <laughs> But right now, the you know, it's with the way COVID is, they've shut a bunch of things down again with the nine o'clock curfews or nine o'clock alcohol curfews and all of that. So it's a little tough. But I don't, you know, you're asking me what else. I, it's hard to. It's just been, it's been so much of my world for so long. Mm -hmm. A lot of the things I've forgotten. A lot of the people I've probably left out. Sure. Um, it's not doesn't mean that they mean any less to me. Exactly. I just, it's just been a while for some of them and. You know, it's hard to, it's kind let of hard me, to keep in touch. Let me ask you this. Can somebody get you to come play if they got some money right now? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes, they could. Um, I mean, uh, I'm I'm thinking that you could hire him to come do a, a one-man thing if you got uh, the money <laughs> right now while people are waiting for stuff to open up. Yeah, I've done a few things here and there, and – I really do miss that. I miss the, the, the solo gigs, even when I'm at Joe's. But, um, you know, playing with a full band and playing with national, with national acts, especially when they're on the stage with you, um, is so is completely sat very satisfying, yeah. of, course. of course. And it makes you really try to work on hone your skills and get your chops back where they need to be because, you know, obviously with a big break, it's a little tough. But yeah, oh, I would. Yeah. Uh, um, I haven't actively pursued too much r recently, 
because of everybody else and the people that are less fortunate sure. than me that don't have another job. I agree. Um, so we're trying to give them an opportunity to play as well. Yeah, that's good. That's yeah. yeah that's uh, giving back, really. You know. Trying to again, so, some of these some of these guys are that's that's all they do, and it makes it they they've really been struggling. They really have. Um, I appreciate you driving up here and taking the time to Thank do you, this. Thank you, sir. I appreciate you asking me, and it's good to see you. It's good been seeing a few you years too. since we've it seen each been. other. It has been. That's yeah. always a good thing. Tracy, thank you a whole lot. Thank you, sir.